Hello and welcome to episode 305 of the Dan York Report. Today, June 6, 2016, is the fourth launch anniversary or four-year anniversary of World IPv6 launch. On that day, June 6, 2012, thousands of websites and hundreds of networks all around the world committed to permanently enabling IPv6 connectivity from their networks or to their sites. Now, this had, I mean, IPv6 connectivity has been in the works for decades at this point, but on June 6, 2011, there was a 24-hour test called World IPv6 Day, where major sites, sites like Facebook and Google and Yahoo and, and many others, turned on IPv6 for 24 hours to test how it would work. And you know what? Lo and behold, the internet did not break. People were able to connect. They were able to get their content, do all that kind of stuff. And so on June 6, 2012, all of those sites uh, permanently enabled IPv6 from that point forward. Now, in truth, some of them had enabled it before that, but you get the idea. As of that time, IPv6 was on permanently, for real. And it's been fascinating to watch the growth. I was interested in IPv6 you know, before that time, and then I joined the Internet Society in September 2011 and participated in World IPv6 launch that was there. But it's been wild to watch the statistics. And I wrote up a blog post on Circle ID, which I'll have in the show notes, where I talked about how it's it's grown amazingly. If you look at the chart, it's it's a beautiful, you know, hockey stick kind of thing going up and to the right. And in 2012, in June 2012, when World IPv6 launch happened, Google's IPv6 statistics, which are one of the ones that we use, it's one of the more reliable. It's had this nice trend line going over all this time, and it shows the percentage of users that access Google sites over IPv6. Now, in 2012, it was actually down under 1%. It actually didn't consistently cross 1% until um, basically the end of 2012, right up around, um, right up around, uh, well, around the end, December kind of time frame, November, December. And it crossed over that. And then it started to rise and rise and rise and rise to where now Google's statistics show that it's now over 12% globally. So on a global level, 12% of users access Google over IPv6. Now, it's much higher in some countries. If you go, there's a per country statistics tab where you can go in and look. You know, in the U.S., it's up around 27%. Belgium's at 43%. Switzerland's at 26 Japan's at 11%. You know, you can look in many different parts of the world, and there's much higher percentages there than, uh, than the 12% globally. But it's, it's remarkable, really, to see this kind of great growth on here and, and really shows in many ways kind of we're getting to that point where it's just going to happen. You know, what, what we're seeing really is that mobile networks are where this is, is mostly happening. As new mobile networks come online, many, some of them are starting off with IPv6 only in the core. And then they're going out and putting um, six to four gateways on the edge of the network so that you can be IPv6 internally and then you connect to IPv4 sites just from the edge of that network. So, uh, you know, they're doing it because they're running out of IPv4 addresses. We can only go, you know, so so far with NAT. We can only go so far with the different things. And uh, sooner or later, we need to go and make this kind of change. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this evolution happen, and it's continuing to go up. I think uh, we're reaching the point where more and more services are available. Um, you know, all of Google's, all of Facebook's, all of you know Yahoo, all sorts of different Netflix, lots of different services, LinkedIn. They're all available over this in some way. Now, there's still some major services that are not. Of course, Twitter is not available over IPv6. Skype doesn't work over IPv6. Many other services do. 
And, uh, and you know, an Amazon Web Services doesn't right now. If it could support IPv6, it would turn on so many, you know, services that are out there and so many things if we could just get that going and flip to IPv6 somehow. We'll have to see. But uh, it's a big day to see this on its fourth anniversary. I, I know that within the Internet Society, we're thinking more about the fifth anniversary next year as a time to celebrate. And it'd be fun to see where that percentage goes. What happens? What does it look like? Uh, I'll in the Circle ID post, I put up uh, links to a number of the different articles that are out there today from World IPv6 launch, from the Internet Society, from Akamai, from others about uh, what's going on there, and also some resources. There's some great ones. There's the Get Six Get Six portal from Aaron, um, which has some really good information out there. Lots of other different. Uh, places you can go and learn. If you're not thinking about IPv6, you really need to be thinking about it. You know, um, at the same time here too, June 1 was the deadline when Apple now requires that all iOS apps have to work on an IPv6 only network in order to be sold through the App Store. They have to do this. So it's bringing all sorts of application developers into learning and thinking about IPv6. So uh, it's a real... It's time to be thinking about it. I put up a little post on my migrating apps to IPv6 site as well for my book that's there. Uh, just again, pointing out this is the time to do it. It's the fourth launch anniversary. IPv6 has climbed, deployments climbed an amazing step. It's still got a long way to go, but it's climbed an amazing amount already. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing what's out there. I uh, love any comments you have. Um, I'd love to hear what you think about IPv6 and you know this state of things. Have you deployed it? What do you uh, what do you think about all this? Leave a message here at soundcloud.com/danyork or anywhere you see this in social networks and uh, find my audio and writing at danyork.me. Thanks for listening and bye for now.